What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the America's Pastime Podcast, Season 1, Episode 109. Jeremy and Mike here to talk about this free agent frenzy that's going on right now in baseball. Although Black Friday and Cyber Monday might have already passed or are still going on, these teams are not going to stop on these sales, and they're spending quite a bit of cash. The Texas Rangers have spent over $500 million thus far this offseason, and over the last couple of days, They've signed two of the top shortstops as well as one of the top arms on the market, and they are far from done. They signed Corey Seager to a 10-year, $325 million contract, and they signed Marcus Simeon to a 7-year, $175 million contract. They also signed John Gray, the pitcher I speak of, to a 4-year, $56 million contract, and they signed Cole Calhoun to a one-year, $5.2 million deal with an option. So, Mike, what do you think of the Texas Rangers, a team who came in last place last season, going out on the market and big-dicking this shit? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. And it's honestly amazing just for baseball in general. I'm, like, I'm a huge advocate for teams spending money. I, I saw a tweet today, not, not going like, to give, give away like, the exact player against that later too, but it was going over payrolls. And you can see where this is going just on how much teams are spending on either just one player. And like the Pirates have like, you know, like a $30 million payroll right now. Like just so stupid. And for a team like the Rangers, who, you know, they were good for a while in the early mid 2000s, 2010s. And they kind of fell off when we were in a state uh, of like, rebuilding. They just accelerated it by. Uh, the signing probably the two and three shortstop on the market, would you say? I don't know. Seeming have a monster season at second base, and that's what he's going to play next year. But for them to get Seager too after signing Simeon and then signing John Gray on top of that, they really just made them like an actual ball club, probably the best middle infield in baseball now. Uh, the team still has a lot to do, but with the state of them in the uh, AL West, they have a chance to at least uh, make some noise and be close to a 500 team, if not slightly above. Yeah, the Rangers are probably not going to be contending next season, especially with the Astros still there and what we've seen from the Mariners thus far. And I'm sure they're going to be doing more uh, the rest of this night, actually. But Even the Angels, to an extent, have made you know, some moves. And I know – you might be kind of rolling your eyes at me a little bit, but they still won like around what 80 games last year. And as long as Trout's healthy, Otani's healthy, they still have the, the core offensive core around them. And they actually have made some pitching moves. So like, not that they're going to be a playoff team by any means, but they're going to be a team that you just can't simply walk over. Yeah. They'll be better than the Rangers next, at least next season in the future. No, but for next season, even if the Rangers go out and sign a few more players, which they probably will, they still have a lot of work to do. Their prospects are young. Their farm system is developing. They made a bunch of trades, a bunch of good signing, good moves the last couple of years to help rebuild their farm, which was in a pretty bad place after their little run of success in uh, the 2015, 2016 seasons. But now uh, with these guys, with these guys in these long-term contracts to transition to their prospects, similar to what the Mets are doing, which I'll get to in a second, you can definitely see uh, at least the start in the infield. I mean, this is a really good infield for the Rangers right now between Isaiah Connor falefa probably playing third base. Then you have either Seager, Simeon, second, short, however they want to do it, probably Seager at short to start, Nate Lowe at first base. And then they possibly have 
a couple of prospects coming up in Huff and Young to play catcher. Uh, sorry, to play catcher, yeah, and, and one of the corner infield spots, uh, respectively. So you can definitely see this infield being quite strong for them next season. In the outfield, it's a bit of a different story. They don't really have much going out there right now. Adolis Garcia had a nice start to the season, but then really came back to the pack. David Dahl did not work out as a nice little non-tender pickup. So they still have work to do out there. Cole Calhoun's a bad player, in my opinion. So I think we were talking about it. I said, I said Cole Calhoun should have, should have paid the Ragers $5.2 million to play for them. I just, yeah. I just don't think he's a good player, but whatever. He's, he's a player. He's, he's, a, a, major league, he's a major league player. He's a major league player. He's just not, he's not like he's not like you know a, a great option by any means, but for a Rangers team, fills a spot. Like, yeah, yeah, it fills a spot right now. And there's no way they're going to sign three outfielders. Well, I guess two more outfielders this offseason. So, yeah, they're hoping that a couple of their guys uh, can develop into good outfielders. Maybe David Dahl has a better better season here. They might not tender him. I don't even know what they're going to do there. But yeah, and Dolis Garcia. Hopefully, he continues to develop. But anyways. They are a couple of years away from contending. Jack Leiter and Wynn out of the rotation are, are, are coming. They, that rotation is going to be very strong. And then right now, they have so many young arms in their rotation. But like getting Gray, I guess, fortifies the rotation, has, brings a veteran arm in there. But besides Gray in that rotation right now, Allard, Dunning, uh, who, am I, who else am I missing? Uh, Koi Arihara. Um, why am I not able to name these guys off my head? I said Allard already, right? Yeah, you uh, did. They got, they got Otto from the Yankees. Um, just one more guy I was trying to think of. But anyways, you get my point that they have a bunch of developing arms in their rotation, and it's going to take maybe a year to see if a couple of those guys can become quality major league starters. I think Dunning is pretty promising. And then maybe at that point they'll go out there and they'll get an ace from the top of the market, which they didn't do at this, at this juncture is more of a middle rotation guy. So yeah, good, good stuff for the Rangers really upping that development time for them, that contend that contention window, bring it closer to the present and uh, a promising future for them is what I can grasp from this. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'm happy with what they've done so far. I'm glad that one of the teams that finished in last place went balls out and just made a bunch of moves. Yeah, it really goes to show that the key to having a rebuild be successful is not just a strong farm system and capitalizing on development, but also to go out on the free agent market and expedite the process and supplement those prospects with, with key free agent signings that are, are very strategic and will help strengthen the core of your team, which Seeger and Simeon most definitely do because that middle infield, as you said, is going to be one of the strongest in baseball for years to come. Yeah, no, totally agree. And uh, another team here definitely supplemented themselves with a bunch of key free agent signings. Uh, your New York Mets there, Jeremy, are you excited with all the guys they brought aboard? Yeah, I mean, like, like we were talking about on our last episode where we talked about the Black Friday acquisitions now on Cyber Monday. They're going out there and getting Max Scherzer. Uh, certainly not a sale for them, not, not a deal by any means. Three years and $130 million to take their current payroll as of this moment before they even signing Javi Baez or anything else to $265 million. So they will be having a $300 million payroll next season, which uh, 
You know, everyone says, oh, you're not going to have a $300 million payroll. Well, actually, yeah, they will have a fucking $300 million payroll. What are you going to do about it? Uh, Stop being jealous. Yeah, yeah you're, you're amped up today. You're dropping F-bombs and you're cursing all over the place now. You're excited to sell. Um, I actually read $272 million was the current payroll. I'm not sure what the hell it is, but, yeah, it's yeah, definitely – I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's definitely up there, though. It's it's just getting so high. Has there been a $300 million payroll yet? Did the Dodgers like just get above $300 million? No, they were 285 That was the most ever? Yeah, so they're going to break that then. Um, yeah, Scherzer was a must-get for the Mets. Uh, they needed a starting pitcher without a doubt. I mean, you, you, you can say that they need at least two. I would agree with that. Some people would go as far as they need three. I don't know. Uh, how much you agree with that too, but getting Scherzer, uh, I kind of like bridged the gap between you know Grom and I guess Taiwan Walker and Carrasco. It's kind of like the gap they needed number two starter, and I instead got a one A and one B because Scherzer is still even at thirty seven, like a top five pitcher in baseball. You can make a case that the Mets have the best two pitchers in baseball. Of course, when when Degrom is healthy, and yeah. Two games out of every five games or six games, depending on how they want to shake it out, the Mets will have as bad as good a chance of winning with those two guys pitching. But then the question that you just mentioned, the rest of that rotation now. But there are reports out that the Mets are heavily interested in one of the two and in acquiring one of the two big lefties still on the board in uh, UC Kikuchi or Carlos Rodon. I think they're especially interested in Kikuchi. And I could very well see them ending up with one of those guys when it's all said and done to be their number three starter. And then I think at that point, if you have one of them as your three, and then you have Walker as your four, Carrasco as your five, which pushes McGill and Peterson to depth roles. I think that you can be very comfortable going into next season with that as your rotation. Yeah, no, I agree. Having those guys as death pieces of potential bullpen options as well as like good spot for the Mets to be. You're going to need like a team that has only five starters is in deep trouble because injuries are always bound to happen. And I mean, I hate to say it too, but um, like Scherzer has had like, you know, like uh, some minor injuries the past few years. The Grom, obviously, you know, missed like half the season this year with um, whatever he's going on with his elbow. So, I mean, we don't want that to happen, but you have to prepare for it. And at least having Peterson and Miguel are two like solid options that, you know, we, we saw him fill in. Uh, Peterson during the COVID season and Miguel last year. And there was, um, although like, I don't think their overall numbers were like that great. I, I think that there's enough bright spots there for you to have some faith that if they made, you know, five to 10 starts in a year, that the Mets would still be more than okay. Yeah, absolutely. If you had to fill in with Peterson and McGill, maybe you don't want them to be your starter for. 32 starts but if they're filling in for some spot starts here and there you're more than comfortable with them as quality major league starters at the back of a rotation so they're they're in good shape there if they're able to bring in another middle of the rotation starter which i think they'll do now what was interesting about the whole bidding process today with scherzer is that they were interested in gosman they actually bid more than the blue jays for gosman but gosman took less money to go to the Blue Jays. And I think I, I saw that some of that was because he didn't want to be treated as a second option. He wanted to be the, you know, the guy, his team saw his free, his uh, agent team saw him as a budding ace. That's what he wants to be represented as. So whatever, he took less money, went to the Blue Jays. 
and they definitely got a good one. But now the Mets still have plenty of money clearly to spend, and they're just now going to turn around and use that money on a lefty starter to to slot in in between all those righties. Yeah, and it gets it's kind of like an ego thing with Gosman. I mean, even though he signed with Toronto, there's no argument to be made that he's not even the best pitcher on that team still. You know, barriers no, to be made that he'll be the third starter on that team, but you know. no, nah, I think he's either one or two there, but yeah, no. I don't see why Gosman would do that, but I'm sure he has his reasons, but whatever. Um, I guess you have anything else to add on Scherzer? I mean, he's a future Hall of Famer, super yes. competitive guy. Having him and DeGrom at the top of the rotation, it really doesn't get better than that. And I'm, I'm interested to see how they push each other and how they, they treat that whole situation because they both want to be, you know, alphas. And uh, yeah. Only, yeah, one, I mean, only one can be the game one starter. So that's going to be Degrom, obviously, because he's he's that this is his team, and Scherzer knows that coming in. So I think that that relationship will actually be really good. Yeah, um, Degrom is more of that like a silent assassin, and you know we we seeing all the gifts of the Scherzer on the mound. It's like cursing out to himself. <laughs> like he's like he's he's literally like Mad Max for a reason. Like he's, I think he brings that energy that the Mets like kind of desperately needed. Like he, you know he's like that like a true competitor. Like he's like a, a leader in the clubhouse in terms that he's gonna like push everyone to be better and like has like that moxie to him and he just is just a stud and yeah I, this is probably the best one two punch I guess you can say like you know Kershaw Granky like a 2015 season when they're both ridiculous but for me just based on like their age and pedigree I was looking looking more towards like a Kurt Schilling Randy Johnson the 01 Diamondbacks perfect copy I think that's a I think that's yeah. a, an even better copy yeah so. They're gonna be ridiculous, and I know the the years might seem a little long to pay for a guy. Even I know three years is not terrible, but even the forty-three million dollars might seem like a steep price. But for a guy like Max Scherzer to come to your team is like, you know, it's organizational changing. You know, this is the Mets have gone from either like what the one like seventy-seven games last year and like a pretty poor season. Like they with the moves they made so far in adding Scherzer, that has basically, in my mind, on paper, like put them like neck and neck with the Braves. Like they're gonna push each other for the one spot. And I know we said that last year, but the Mets have a very similar team they did last year with like their core guys. And now they have I mean, even though they lost like Conforto to the garden and guys like that, I, I think they shake up and getting new blood is going to be a huge for the Mets. Absolutely. Scherzer brings that new blood, that new competitive edge that you're speaking of. And so do the guy, the other guys that they brought in so far with Marte, Kana, and Escobar. They are well-renowned clubhouse guys. And the clubhouse was probably a, a, a major factor to why the Mets were so dysfunctional last year. Why they, that this core that we've seen over the last three seasons that should have probably won the division – if not made the playoffs all three years, it's just, it, it's a bunch of pieces that just haven't combined to work and having glue guys who are also good players, like the guys they brought in veterans, they, they got in a lot older, but it's in a good way. Yeah. And I, I think that the Mets going for a short, I mean, this at least window with the core they have is more of like, they have a bunch of older guys already on the team that, you know, are going to be from free agents soon or, or gonna start costing more money, and they kind of just added a bunch of uh, veterans that are on shorter deals as well. So, 
like I'm not saying the Mets won't can be be competitive in three years because you know Steve Cohen, he's just gonna really just like once everyone's gone, he's gonna buy everyone back and just kind of just revamp the team again. But like they really opened themselves up like a one two year like window of like an actual championship caliber team, and they're still they're still adding to it too, but they're not done. So a lot of good thing for the Mets. And I guess the last thing I want to say about Scherzer is, <laughs> did you see, uh, fucking Rachel Luba be like, oh, uh, oh my god, short contract, high high AVs. I wonder who did that first. And then it's like, it's not even comparable because like one, Scherzer's thirty seven, Bauer is twenty nine. So like the age is like a big reason why Scherzer got the uh, small deal, and the reason that he had so much money is because the Mets were not letting him not come to them like i'm sure if we saw i, I think we saw them before to like the dodgers for example like gave him maybe two three years with like far less money like the reason he got so much freaking money is because the mets were like and cohen's like there's no chance in hell that we lost osman and i guess matt's to a degree that we're gonna let next year they walk away from us so we're gonna give him so much money that you just can't turn down and that's exactly what happened there and also like when she was making the case like oh like it's like you make deals like based off that. Like Bauer set the uh, forty million dollar threshold, and I'm like, that too was just kind of like pure coincidence. Like when agents and like teams make contracts, they compare players off of similar players. Bauer and Scherzer are nothing alike. Bauer's best season happened in a Mickey Mouse 2020 season. We pitched like 75 innings, and Max Scherzer has been one of the best pitchers on this planet for over a decade now. Like the pedigree is just way off the charts, so I don't know. She she just she's just trying to do everything she can to like become a relevant agent again. I guess I don't even know what her plan is or what she was trying to do there. I just found it so funny. She what I suggest destroyed. to anyone listening <clears throat> is go to these tweets from Rachel Luba. Go to their, go to go to Rachel Luba's Twitter. Go to Trevor Bauer's Twitter, <clears throat> and <clears throat> sorry, and look at the look at the replies on these tweets, and and you will have yourself a great laugh. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Trevor Bauer yeah. also tweeted about about this about oh pitcher signing a short term deal blah 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 like just no no words yeah. no words. Yeah, he should just stay quiet for forever. This yeah, just shut the fuck up, take your money that you don't deserve, and go off into obscurity. <laughs> oh man! All right, what's next? Blue Jays. Yeah, the Blue Jays. Continue off of a strong offseason last year. They are continuing to back up the Brinks truck. And for this time, we mentioned it already, Kevin Gosman, a five-year, $110 million deal. They also gave Gimme Garcia a two-year, $11 million deal with a third-year vesting option or club option. So the big fish here, Gosman, who had a great season with San Francisco after a pretty solid 2020 shortened season gets paid accordingly. And he will now be at the top of that rotation with Barrios with Alex Manoa behind him, Hunjin Ryu behind him, Nate Pearson, Ross Stripling, and maybe the Blue Jays will add more beyond that. So that is a really, really good rotation and sharing up what was a bit of a weakness in the first half of the Blue Jays last season. Yeah, I honestly, you mentioned they had a good offseason last year. They also had a good deadline when they did bring in Barrios. So, I mean, like, with every chance they've gone so far, they just keep improving on that team. 
And they understand that, like, they have that young offensive core mainly and that if, if they can build a team by supplementing pitching pieces around that, they can actually be a very dangerous team. And we saw them win 90 games last year. And we saw them – or 91 games. And we saw them, like, a game away from playoff contention and just missing out. And I, I don't think they were having that. Yes, they lost Simeon. Yes, they lost Robbie Ray, like, two of their best players. But getting like, – extending the Gos- – I mean, Barrios having a full, full year. Getting Gosman in who – in my mind, kind of replaces Ray. I mean, I know he, he's not, maybe not a Cy Young contender per se, but he's still like a top-tier pitcher when it comes down to it. And when it comes to the offensive production, they still have guys like uh, Kevin Biggio, who's like, kind of like a role player that can just fill in and give them like a very solid production in the middle infield spot. So I think that the Jays team is still better. And then with Jimmy, he's been one of the most reliable relievers for, I don't know, five, ten years now. I think he's always been like a three-year guy. And we always talk about when it comes to relievers, like getting a guy who just like consistently give you like good numbers like that is just always needed. I think that the Blue Jays will continue to add to this bullpen in particular. It was one of their weaker spots pitching overall, of course, last season, their offense was phenomenal. And then on the pitching side, they shored up their rotation now. And now it's time to take a look at their bullpen and see if they can make that a strong suit. I think that they could very well be in on Iglesias or Jensen. And those guys are not going to sign until after the lockout. So we'll, we'll definitely be seeing more from the Blue Jays later on. But speaking of their infield, yeah, they lost Simeon. They do have Biggio. But I do think they're going to add another piece. They also still have Jordan Groshans, who can play third base, is a shortstop. Obviously, he's not going to play there with Bichette there. But I'm sure he could also – transition over to second base if necessary. So they're in good hands there, but I do think that they're going to bring in a short-term option because Groshans isn't quite ready at this point, maybe not until later in the 2022 season. So, so good stuff for the Blue Jays there. And yeah, overall, they are probably now right there with the Rays at the top of this division. I think they, they go hand in hand. We'll get to what the Rays have done. They made some improvements themselves this offseason. So the AL East is an arms race while the Red Sox and the Yankees are sitting idly by as the Blue Jays and Rays continue to improve. So I think it might be more the same next season unless we see some some big moves late here in the game coming from the Yankees and Red Sox. Yeah, it's it's going to be a bloodbath. And I know for a while, like the NL East was supposed to be like a top dog type of thing, but it hasn't like panned out that way with the Mets kind of floundering and up until now. The Braves really kind of took away with it. The Marlins have gotten better. The Phillies, you know, just been like a mediocre team. But with the American League East, you have now an actual chance for, again, like four teams to be in the 90-win column. Like, it just – it doesn't get much better than this. And uh, the Red Sox, I think they still have a very good team. And with Alex Core, apparently, they can always make shit happen. But they do need to address that a little bit if they want to be as competitive as the Rays and Jays. And the Yankees, the same thing goes for them. Like, we heard about them, uh, Cash, making statements about them making, like, massive changes coming up. And uh, I think half the free agent pool of, like, top two guys is gone already. And the Yankees are just all crickets. So I'm still waiting to see what happens with that. It might come more in the trade front from them, which is fine. But I do think that they really should have been in on a lot of these guys who are gone at this point, which we'll get to in a second, more of those guys. For example, from the Mariners, they signed Robbie Ray. 
They traded for Adam Frazier, and they're going to do more. They're in on Baez. They're in on Bryant. They're in on Story. And unless the Yankees, with a late push here, grab one of those guys, they're going to be gone. They're going to be off the board, and then it's going to just be trades for the Yankees or depth signings, and that's not really what they need. They need a legitimate number two starter to compete with the other teams in their division, the other teams in the American League, the other teams in baseball, with, with the rotations that are being put together. And quite simply, it's just not up to snuff, especially with Garrett Cole's regression in the second half, in particular the last month, last season, whatever that was due to. They really do need a guy right up there in the top of the rotation. They do not have that right now, and it doesn't look like they'll be able to find that on the free agent market. Yeah, the options are pretty slim now, and the only like top pitcher left is Strowman, and he kind of expressed his hatred for Cashman and the Yankees after Cashman's comments like two and a half years ago. So yeah, he loves destroying. Can't see that happen now, though. Money. Yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll fall. Maybe he'll fall in the Yankees' lap. Who knows? Probably not. Um, yeah, the Mariners uh, and the Marlins too. Even the Marlins are making moves, not the Yankees. Like every single team in baseball is doing something. Yeah, even the Marlins, they've spent over $100 million so far this offseason between their extension for Sandy Alcantara, which became official today, and their signing of Avisel Garcia to a four-year, $53 million deal. Just to go back for one second, the Ray deal was five years for 115 so $5 million more than what Gosman got. He also has an opt-out after the third year, which is interesting. But going back here to the Marlins, Aviso Garcia is big offensive addition for them. I was looking at this and he ranks in like 80 something percentile for sprint speed. He's actually a really good athlete, which you wouldn't think looking at the guy, but if that guy was in, in the NFL, he'd be a fucking tight end. Like he is, yeah. he is, a, he is <laughs> he's a big piece. and uh, yeah, he's been improving guy. in the outfield. His defense has not always been the greatest. The, the athletic tools are certainly there. And then, the bat has always been really, really solid. He's like Miggy Jr. That's what he's supposed to be coming up with Detroit. He's never quite been that, but he's a really good bat. He'll slide into one of the corner outfield positions for them. And the Marlins are not done. They also traded for, for Jacob Stallings from the Pirates. So they'll have a catcher with control for three years, I think. So the catcher was, has been a black hole for them. Jorge Alfaro has been dreadful. Ever since they got rid of Real Muto, they've, haven't gotten any production out of catcher. Alfaro did not work out in that trade with the Phillies. So now Stalling steps in as their everyday catcher to catch that young pitching staff. And they're going to, again, they're going to probably add a pretty solid mid-tier offensive piece. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I know they've been looking at, like, even, like, Nick Castellanos, who wants, like, a ridiculous, like, eight-year deal, something like that. But, yeah, um, Stallings – is one of the better defensive catchers in baseball. And for him to be behind the plate with this very young Mullen pitching staff is probably one of the best things you can do. Um, I guess it's a model. It's just looking at the Cardinals. You know, they've had Molina behind the dish, like luckily for like almost 20 years now. And you just see the importance of having a good defensive catcher and leader behind the plate. And I think Stalin's kind of like fits in like the similar ilk where he's a very similar player where, uh, at least early in his career, he's still, you know, rather young, though his offense is slowly getting better and his defense is, like, pretty elite. So he's going to do a very good job with that Mullen staff. And then, obviously, Garcia is just a really good complementary piece with them. He's always a guy who he can hit you, like, 270, 280, hit 20 home runs, steal you, like, 15, 20 bags, play an equity defense in the corners. So 
Vermont's team that's, you know, getting in a more competitive state, I think it's a perfect addition for them. And what they can also do, which they've been mulling, is trading one of their young starters to get more offense. Because there's no question that they have the pitching necessary to go out and compete. They could add some more bullpen pieces. But for the most part, their rotation is good to go, as good possibly as any other in baseball. So now it's a question of how can they supplement their offense? How can they turn what was playoff caliber pitching into what was playoff caliber pitching in 2021? I mean, the run differential was pretty solid for a lot of the season. How can they now make their offense good enough? Because they are still the Marlins. They're not going to go out and have a $150 million payroll. Probably will be a hundred at most. So they're going to have to work within their constraints and get kind of creative here. Yeah, no, definitely going to have to. And I think that they're going to figure it out. Uh, ever since, you know, like Jeter and the whole company kind of took over the Marlins, I think that they have slowly been progressing in the right direction. And it's soon enough going to be a um, a very, like, solid team. I know they have a lot to kind of work with with uh, the Mets and the Braves right now, but I think that eventually they will be a team that they're not going to be like a laughing stock of baseball, I'll put it that way. Yeah, they're a pretty solidly run organization at this point. Jeter at the helm, Kim Ang behind her, behind him rather. So, yeah, they, they know what they're doing now, and their farm system is one of the strongest in baseball. They are going to build a contender sometime soon here, and this deal certainly helps with that. Another team, the team that actually won the World Series this year, the Braves, has been moderately active thus far this offseason, but they did make a pretty solid move in signing Kirby Yates to back up that bullpen, that arm barn that did a really nice job from a lot of the postseason. And uh, he's a guy who signed with the Blue Jays last offseason, got hurt, missed um, what most of the year. And then now he's a free agent again. And he signs a two-year deal uh, to go back to, to reestablish his value. The deal. So just getting. I think it was like 8 million. Yeah. The deal for Kirby Yates was. 8.5 million with a $5.75 million club option. So they could possibly have control of him for three years. At one point he was on the Padres, one of, if not the best reliever in baseball for a couple of years there. So uh, a lot of potential there for the Braves. Their bullpen has been kind of a, a weak point over the last couple of seasons, but uh, with the performance that we saw in the postseason combined with this addition and what else they'll probably do, I think it's going to be continuing to, uh, be better than it has been in recent seasons. Also, of note for the Braves, not a free agent signing, but Marcelo Zuna is now eligible to return. He served his suspension while he was on administrative leave. So he, if the Braves want him, they can have a middle-of-the-order bat back, which they kind of do need because right now they don't have an outfield, especially with Acuna going to miss at least a month or two. They need three outfielders and getting Ozuna back would help a ton. Yeah, I guess. Uh, do you want to talk about it all? Like the ridiculousness of how he only got suspended like 20 games in total for like socking his wife in the face, but PE users uh, four times that. I think that's a, a discussion for another day. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is there exactly. We've, we heard that's what happened. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. what to say about it. Let's wait yeah. until more details come out. Let's see what the Braves do with him. All right. 
fair enough with me. Uh, with Yates, reliable reliever, like you mentioned, good track record, just had the injury history. So they, for a team that needs a bullpen, good on them. It was, you know, they do need a bat, and he was a machine in 2020. And it was kind of one of the first nails, at least what we thought was a nail in the coffin for the Braves early in the 2021 season. Turns out that they still won the winning the World Series without him. Just did uh, a lot of crazy shit during his whole year. And uh, I guess another thing, too, as I saw that uh, Darren O'Day signed a minor league deal with the Braves. I know it's only a small deal, but he, too, has been a very reliable reliever for a long time now. And he got hurt with the Yankees, but even when he pitched in the Yankees last year, he was, he was pretty good. So I think eventually uh, once he kind of gets up to snuff that he'll find his way on the major league roster down with the Braves in their bullpen. Yeah. They love Darren O'Day for whatever reason. He loves playing for them. So he'll end up pitching in some games for them. I have no doubt. The Minnesota twins, while they didn't make any free agent signings yet, I know they were involved in Robbie Ray a little bit, which is interesting, <clears throat> but they signed Byron Buxton to a seven-year, $100 million extension with up to $95 million in incentives. Buxton going to his age 29 season uh, and is a potential walk year has now been inked to an extension that will take him probably through the end of his career with the Twins. He's a guy who's been often injured but super talented. When he's played, he's been one of the best players in baseball. And the Twins were in extension talks with him midseason. They were thinking about possibly trading him. The numbers we heard then were five for 85. They get to seven for 100 with all these incentives. I think if he, uh, if he places top 10 in MVP, he'll get a couple million dollars. If he wins MVP, he'll get like $10 million or something. So a heavily incentivized contract and also has to do with games played because that is the most important thing with Buxton. So there are two ways that this extension goes. Either it's a very bad contract for the Twins because Buxton never plays, or they get a huge deal because Buxton turns into an MVP caliber player and plays on a semi-regular basis. Which way do you think this goes, Mike? Uh, well, Buxton, I, I, first off, I was actually surprised at how little this was. I, I went to tweeting, he's going to get like eight years, like $250 million. I, what like, tweet? That, that, I don't know what tweet you're talking about. Uh, when the deal first came no, out. No, I was being sarcastic. I deleted it. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Did, did you not think that he was, a guy of his caliber would get like a ridiculous contract like that? I don't know. I, I didn't think that I was being so – I think I was being so outlandish. I mean, I was only off by like $150 million. <laughs> <laughs> only, only $150 million. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I still don't think – I still think that the Twins got uh, – I mean, Buxton got robbed. I had like five war in like half the season last year. He's a legit uh, player. I guess the sample he hasn't really been that legit player for a while, but whatever. Um, I mean, I'm I'm think that it's good that the Twins did that. I, I when he's healthy and eventually he's gonna have that one healthy season. He's gonna be one of the best players in baseball. There's no doubt about that. So for him to get locked up and to be a, a twin for a while, I'm always about players staying with their organizations for the whole careers. Yeah, and if he ends up being the player he's supposed to and he stays healthy, he's going to get pretty well paid. He's going to get he's, – he's, you know, like I said, 95 million potential in incentives. So if he even gets half of those, then you're looking at seven years, 145. So I think that's a pretty fair contract. And um, 
yeah, it, it could be a great deal for the Twins. But at the same time, again, this is a dude who has never played a full season. So, uh, you know, a lot of risk. But I, I do hope that he does end up, uh, you know, playing full seasons going forward. That he ends up uh, attaining his full potential. And we see him be the top five player in baseball that he was supposed to be. Yeah, I, I think that this season is going to be the season. I was very pessimistic on, uh, like, a Shohei Otani who had, like, that same potential, and he showed me up. So, I'm going to flip the narrative, and I'm going to take uh, I'm gonna take Buxton for having a healthy season this year. MVP? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't have Come the balls on, to do that. do it. I don't have the balls to do that. Listen, I, I'll – I'll look at the odds when the MVP odds come out and I'll see what Buxton is. And if he has good odds, I'll, I'll ride the, uh, the Buxton MVP terrain. All right. All right. All right. The Tampa Bay Rays also made a couple of deals. They haven't been quiet after their big extension for Wander Franco. They dished out 8 million to Corey Kluber. And that contract also has a ton of incentives. He could get up to 12 or 13 million, depending on how much he pitches. So very similar contract to what the Yankees offered to in a way. And uh, he was solid for the Yankees in 80 innings, 3.81 ERA. But now with the Rays, you know, you know what they do. You know he's gonna go out there and be and be Klubot again. You know he's gonna be a fucking Cy Young winner. That's just that's just how it goes. Uh, you know, for the Rays too, with what they have in the rotation between Patino, McClanahan, Baz, Yarbrough, Yanni Chirinos, and Rasmussen, and the rest of their bulk arms. Uh, bringing in Kluber is definitely not a big risk. And yeah, for the Rays, you don't have a lot of money. Uh, I guess, you know, it, it is a bigger risk than most teams. But at the same time, they also made a deep playoff run where they had, well, they didn't make a deep playoff run. I mean, they, got, they, made, they made the playoffs. And they sold out a couple of games. And I guess they're taking that money now <laughs> and applying it to buying Corey Kluber. So so good to at least see them acquiring a couple of free agents. The other guy, Brooks Raley, left-handed reliever, two years, 10 million plus an option. Yeah, Kluber is gonna be nasty. <laughs> I'm honestly, I, I can't wait till he faces the Yankees like three, four times a year and throws like five innings, no hit ball. That's just what he's going to do. That's just who he is at this point. And they add to the bullpen with O'Reilly, and that always just terrifies me. You know, anytime the Rays get anyone, I'm just like, what do they know that everyone else in this world does not? You know? And then um, they doubt Luplo, and I guess that's just an expendable piece. They're just That's just them trading a guy who's starting to cost them more money and is restocking their farm system anyway, which way they can. That's basically that. Yeah, they were clear. I think they were just clearing a spot. And they found a good trade yeah. partner for the D-backs, a team that's in a deep rebuild right now, taking a chance on Luplo, seeing if he can be a quality player for him, uh, for, for them, which he can. He's shown that he can be at times with the Indians and with the Rays. So, yeah, he didn't really have a spot on the Rays anyways. He was more of a bench piece. So good for him getting more of an opportunity with the D-backs. Yeah. No, I think that he'll be better off, better served there. Yeah, the Pirates, another team, small market team that have been making moves. Everyone except the Yankees. They've signed Joely Rodriguez. It's all they've done this offseason. But the Pirates. No, they also got Luis Rojas as their third base coach. 
Oh, and sorry. They signs Mets legend Jose Peraza as a my do a minor Oh yeah, option. yeah, I, I mean, saw that. Yeah, that that was their response, their Steinbrenner response to, to yeah. the Mets getting Scherzer. There was their Hal Steinbrenner response. Yeah, yeah, but the Pirates. They did, they've done a few things. Not only did they trade Jacob Stallings for three prospects, uh, well, one pitcher, Zach Thompson, and then, and then two uh, arms. They also uh, re-signed Yoshi Tsutsugo, who came over midseason, did a really nice job for them. They gave him $4 million, And then they brought, back, they brought back Ben Gamble. They signed him for $1.8 million with some incentives. So some nice little pieces for them. In addition, this offseason, they signed Jose Quintana, so, you know, they're looking with these two to four million dollar signings so to, to potentially flip these guys for prospects. That's all they're trying to do right now. Their farm system continues to get deeper and deeper and better and better. It's going to be the best farm system in baseball, probably by the end of the season, depending on who else they trade, whatever other assets they they flip. So, yeah, the Pirates are are doing what they can with their resources right now in their in their situation. Yeah, that's, that's basically it. They're just, they're just a team that's going to be miserable to watch for fans, and there's not much to root on besides, you know, like Brian Reynolds and Brian Hayes and uh, who's a shortstop they have, the young shortstop. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. All right, whatever. Newman? No, not Newman. Um, <laughs> Is it your boy uh... – Who's dating Vanessa Hudgens? No, 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 no. <laughs> not him. Kyle, Cole Tucker, not Kyle. Kyle's uh, a good one. O'Neal? O'Neal Cruz. Oh, yeah, okay. He's, he's good, too. He's supposed to be really good. Uh, not Cole Tucker. Cole Tucker is cheeks. He's straight cheeks. Starting second baseman, cool. Cole Tucker. Yeah, who else do they have? We saw it left. They have Cabrian. Uh, Frazier is gone. Obviously, he's been gone, gone. Kyle Moran is gone now. Stalins is gone now. Oh boy, that team, that team is brutal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's going to be brutal again this year. But I mean, hey, they traded Stallings, but they drafted uh, a catcher uh, whose name I'm forgetting right now with the with the first pick. So. Yeah, they're they're gonna continue. They're gonna have a high draft pick again. What number one pick next year as well, and then probably the n- number one pick after that. And that's the way they're gonna have to do it. That's the way they're gonna go about it. They have cheap owners, so sucks to be a Pirates fan. But they're brighter days down the road. Down the road. Yes. The yes, Dodgers made a signing. They signed Daniel Hudson to a one-year, seven million dollar contract. Hudson spent. The last couple of seasons with the Nationals was dealt to the Padres at the trade deadline. He's been a really solid reliever for a couple of years now. And uh, I, he's going to do good things with the Dodgers. They, they are similar to the Rays. They're signing someone. They know what they're doing. And uh, he's going to be a pretty solid setup man to Blake Trinan, I believe. Yeah, no, the Dodgers are doing everything they can to really pass together the bullpen. And they still have a lot of work to do, though, so. This definitely won't be the last time you hear the Dodgers on this podcast in the next even like they might even make moves tonight. Who knows? Yeah, if you think the Dodgers are just gonna lose Scherzer and Seeger and not do anything, then you haven't been watching baseball over the last 10 years. They also uh lost uh what's his name, Muncie for a lot longer than 
we thought he winds up tearing his his uh MCL or something. Are you? I think he'll be back though. No, Muncy's gonna be back. He just I think he's gonna be back to start next year. All right, I think he'll be fine. But yeah, anyways, they're they're probably gonna lose Chris Taylor. We'll see what happens there. So. Yeah, the Dodgers will do what they always do, just churn out new good players, and they'll regroup and still win 100 games next year. Yep. Talking about the other team in L.A., well, they're really in Anaheim. I don't know why they're called the L.A. Angels, I guess, for branding purposes. It's really dumb. But uh, besides the point, as I digress, Los Angeles Angels signed Michael Lorenzen to a one-year $7 million deal to to be a starter for them. Lorenzen has not started in the big league since 2015. He did not have a good season last year. He is a two-way player. So I guess uh, they're going for that gimmick there. Um, yeah, not much to say about it. Mike Lorenzen, uh, Los Angeles Angels, number six starter. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're doing. They, they're doing good for a while, and then they just decided to <laughs> just to get Mike Lorenzen as their starter. So. I don't know. It's like two steps forward, one step back with the Angels. Yeah, LOL Angels. At least they have the best two two-way players in baseball now. Maybe even three because Walsh can two-way player as well. Yeah, they so, got back on. That's good. They're, they're, they're hoping that Shohei can teach them how to pitch and hit. Basically, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I saw something today about the Angels. They – have not gone over the luxury tax threshold over the last 20 years or something like that. Really? Yeah, they do not go over the threshold. What bums? Right, and they really need to. They need to be spending like the mess right now if they really wanted to be competitive, but they're not going to do that, so they're going to continue to be mediocre next season and finish in third place. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Anthony and shit. Yep, and then – the last couple of signings here, Michael Walker signed a one-year, $7 million deal with the Red Sox. And I continue to question why Michael Walker gets money, like major league money. He's gotten three mil from the Mets and then three mil from the Rays. Now seven, he got a raise. The fucking guy got a raise from the Red Sox for $7 million. So, uh, yeah, he's going to continue to be dog shit, but uh, good for the Red Sox, I guess, getting a number five starter who's going to lose them games. Yeah, I, I mean, when it comes down to it, like, teams just like what he has, whatever it is. I don't know what it is. I think that, like, pitchers and teams love guys that have vertical break, and he has a lot of it on his changeup and stuff, and maybe they're trying to tap into his, like, 2013 rookie self again. 2013. Yeah, right? It's yeah. been a long time now. So they're trying to figure something out, and I know the Mets took a chance on him and the Rays did, and I think that, like, Teams are like, all right, if the Rays did something, then maybe we can do something now too. You know, they're looking at him as an example. And I don't know. I think the reason that Walker got so much too is just the way pitcher market was moving. That like a lot of teams were like, all right, let's just let's just throw shit at this guy and see what happens. And that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. Maybe he can be uh, a quality like six innings, three earned runs, five innings, two, three earned runs guy, number five starter. Can't be any worse than Garrett Richards was for them or Martin Perez. So it's whatever. It's a whatever move. They needed some pitching, so they got him. But the Red Sox need to do a lot more work in that rotation. They are far from done. And then lastly, last signing, 
really small level, low, low level signing. But the Brewers signed Brett Sullivan to be their third catcher. They gave him a major league deal. He's a career minor leaguer, but similar to the uh, Nick Plummer signing from the Mets, he gets a major league contract. Yeah, just going to give them more options, more depth options. The Brewers are another team that has to kind of wake up as well. They need yeah, to get more. Do. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. I don't either. I don't either. I, I think that they're, they'll figure it out. We still have uh, how aggressive <clears throat> that they they were in, like, the past years. So, I think that this year as well, they're not going to miss out. See, the problem with them is they have very little they – they have very little payroll flexibility. Uh, their owners are uh, not keen to open up the – the wallet and they also their farm system has been bled from all those deep postseason runs they've had over the last four years. I mean, the postseason four straight years, which is really good. So they're going to have to kind of do some, some bargain hunting and in that national league central, uh, they can certainly operate that way and stay competitive, but going to next season, man, I'm, I'm, I'm high in the Cardinals. Yeah, so I'm on. I'm, I'm a card guy. I told you, Redbirds all the way. Listen, I was a Brewers guy last season. I was right about that. But this season, I'm hopping on the Cardinals bandwagon with how they finished last year. I got, and, and they're going to do some good stuff this offseason. They already have bringing in Steven Matz. Hell yeah. boy, Redbird away. I honestly might want to watch more Cardinals games, the Yankee games this year, honestly. <laughs> We'll see what the do. I, I wouldn't be so down on them. I think they're going to do something. They, they, you know, they'll try yeah, and they're, do they're gonna, race. They're going to sign. They're going to sign Simmons. What they're going to do? I'm going to watch Simmons play shortstop for 150 days. Well, until if they do that, play. can I? Can you play that audio clip of me laughing? Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my but god! But I can't believe you actually. You, you weren't trolling when you thought this. You thought Simmons was a Hall of Famer. I can't. No, believe I was that. just watching. I was just watching a foolish baseball video and he made a very good you case. You. Yeah. Yeah, you just fooled me. That guy cannot hit. But I guess batting ninth, playing getting three hundred at bats, okay. Yeah, until he rolls his ankle, evidently. That's what he does. He just rolls he sprains his ankle like nine times a year. Yeah. A lot to look forward to for you. Yep, very much so. Um, all right, I guess finally the last thing we got on the docket here is I saw that the Major League Baseball is proposing a new playoff format. I know that the MLBPA was suggesting expanded playoffs, and it looks like the Major League Baseball has come with a proposal, which is a good step with this whole upcoming lockout. There's still a chance that they can come to an agreement with everything, but at least this is one big step in the right way, and the new playoff format is as follows. There's going to be 14 teams now in the postseason, seven teams from each league. The top team, the National League and the American League, get a bye in the first round. The remaining three top teams in each league get to pick their wildcard opponent and it is a best-of-three series again where the top team is the home team for all three games, if there are three games. Right. So it's, a lot it's of big changes there. Yeah, it, it's similar to the playoff format from the 2020 season, which wasn't bad. I just didn't like – they had, I believe, two too many teams and that they had 16 make it here with 14. I can I can deal with that. Ideally, I'd probably want 12. 12, but, yeah. 
but 14 is fine, uh, especially if it's going to create labor peace. Uh, looking at last season, if it had been this format, so would have been what the Mariners and the Blue Jays making it from the American League, and mm. then from the National League, it would have been what the Reds and, and the, the Phillies. The Phillies in there, yeah. I guess the the Phillies. So, I mean, there would have been teams above 500, it would have been pretty mediocre teams, but I mean, it would have been fine, I guess. And then, and then, of course, oh my god, I'm just thinking about that. The the, the Giants would have a bye, right? The Dodgers would probably select the fucking Phillies as a wild card opponent. What do you think of best demolish them? I know, oh my goodness, I'm just imagining that format, but yeah, I guess the more teams is. Adding four more teams, I guess, is kind of cool. It gives you a better chance, but I just hope it incentivize teams to like not spend as much, thinking they can just skate into the playoffs and then get lucky. That's like my only concern with that. I, I guess the nice. one, yeah, I guess the the getting a buy is a cool feature. I think that uh, taking that, I think football is the only sport that has the buy right officially. So I think having that uh, implemented is a good reward, I guess, for two. Uh, like uh, incentivize teams to not skate in. And then I think picking your playoff appointment is kind of stupid. I don't like that at all. But the uh, from the shortened season, the one thing I did like was the best of three wild card. I think that will be very cool because the single game elimination is like very, in the game seven atmosphere and stuff is really cool too. But at the same time, it's so short lived, I feel like, is that like, it's like a cool way to start the playoffs, but I think a best of three does like a very similar thing. And team, it's it's still a very short series where anything can happen, even three games, you know. Yeah, and you do the best of threes, and then you get back to the DS and the CS and the World Series, and it's fine. So I, I'm I, I'm fine with that. I mean, it's it, yeah, it, it it works. Uh, and like you said, hopefully it doesn't de incentivize teams to, in terms of spending. But there'll be a lot more to the collective bargaining agreement to make sure that doesn't happen, hopefully. So uh, we'll, we'll be hearing more about this stuff going forward. Yeah, as long as there is baseball and spring training starts on time and the regular season starts on time, I really just don't care that much. I just, I just, I just can't not have baseball for an extended period of time like we did in 2020. Like that was such a miserable time, just months without baseball. Right. And then in terms of these free agents, definitely more will sign by the time this episode hits, by the t- maybe by the time you're listening to it. But I hope you enjoyed our roll-up of everything that's happened so far. I mean, there were so many. We couldn't dive as deep as we usually do. And maybe that'll be something we do. You know, going looking through this lockout, we'll have a ton of time and we'll have some very creative episodes and we'll definitely – do some more analysis, but we'll see what happens when the dust settles. We'll be back telling you about the rest of these moves because come December 2nd, nothing else is going to happen. So that's well. So we'll be back with you later this week to, to polish it off, tell you about the rest of that. And until then enjoy this free agent frenzy. Make sure you sign up for the giveaway. The giveaway ends in just two days, December 1st. Get in on that so you can get your $10 Amazon gift card. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the America's Pastime Podcast and tune in next time. 